Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast on Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. I like to say to people that like when they said like, when did you know you were gay? I always say, when did you know you were straight? Like for me, it was never a question. It was just who I was. I mean, as as traditional South Asian parents, when they Mm -hmm. found out they were devastated um, because they're their narrative for for me had changed my feminine energy was just there but it was something that wasn't allowed to be seen um and it was just something that was a bit like a bit of shame was put on it a lot of shame actually and now we're all like finding it really crazy that people are like non-binary or trans but at the end of the day like our gods and our belief system was like that we're praying to non-gendered creatures and like it's only the discourse of our i guess colonization that we're trying to gender them i think we need to look at it as a scientific uh physical approach where it's like okay you were born as a cis male or a cis female cis means that you are born the gender that your body is got it but then when you think about your spirit and your soul like you can be something else like you can you can be on this planet but dream of being something else and okay. we always we always have this narrative of like make your dreams a reality is like what if you dream of being a woman okay you should be able to be a woman right and like and that should be accepted right. it's the fact that we feel like our our anatomy needs to dictate who who we are and how we express ourselves okay. and that's that's just not true ryan hi hi welcome to millennium mind i'm so honored to be here i'm so happy to have you here I mean, you look so cool. I feel like people aren't going to know who you are. You look like a DJ slash celeb slash mysterious character in your sunglasses. South Asian unicorn. (laughs) (laughs) So for people who don't know who you are, Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, my name is Ryan Lange. I am, uh, I call myself London's Asian provocateur, but that was just like not meant to make the edit of my new show. But I'm a TV presenter, um, DJ. I'm not actually like a DJ. I throw a party called Hangama, right. which is I think London's first public facing, creative, mm-hmm. um, South Asian alternative Bollywood night. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's uh, grown like so phenomenally in the last five years. And it's been... Um, uh, beautifully received by the South Asian community. And um, it's kind of like an Indian Studio 54. And so that led me to um, basically becoming a TV presenter. I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know what I do. I'm just everywhere. <laughs> you don't know your, you don't know your like- Well, I'm trying to think about what my bio is. So basically, okay, cool. So I moved here when I was 23. Okay. And um, I wanted to get into fashion and art. Well, where did you move from? Vancouver, Canada. There's your accent. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, pegged. And then, so I moved here, didn't know what I was doing. So I basically had to like, learn quickly uh, everything I could possibly learn about fashion and art and okay. I became a fashion curator self-nominated a little fashion icon I love what you're wearing yeah, thank you um it's Margiela 
Anyway, um, so basically, <laughs> I, I, I did that with such tenacity, and I became known as a beauty and fashion curator. Okay. And then, um, and then I got so disenfranchised with fashion and art, and became a, a club promoter. Started Hangama, and then went on a Netflix show a couple of years ago called The Big Flower Fight. Yeah, I wasn't a florist, but I wanted to go in for fun, and I won. <laughs> <laughs> and then BBC Three wants me to host a new show, amazing. which is out now. I know, I've seen it. It looks amazing. Well, yeah. I've seen, I've seen the trailers. But the big you know, proud party agency. I know, I've, I've seen it pinned on your profile. You know, I actually had all these things written down about you. So if you didn't know your, if you didn't know your like elevator pitch or your bio, don't worry, I had it. I've always wanted to meet me. So. <laughs> <laughs> but why did you move from Canada to the UK? Um, I moved because I think recently I saw some family and I was like, why did I leave? I was, I don't know whether or not it was because I was queer or because I was like really creative and I felt suffocated, but I just felt like there was more to the world that I wanted to see. Right. I guess for some people who are younger, um, social media and the internet didn't exist. Like mm -hmm. I just knew that the world had so much more to offer and mm -hmm. I didn't want like my youth to be spent just in Vancouver, Canada. So I left. And I think with my coming out and um, the sort of like tr trials and tribulations of like being accepted in your own family, I just kind of exiled myself. I was like, peace, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me about your coming out. Um, I, I like to say to people that like when they said like, when did you know you were gay? I always say, when did you know you were straight? Yeah. Like for me, it was never a question. It was just who I was. Right. And um, so I just slowly had to learn like i remember being a kid and again not having the internet i'd like go to the library and like secretly crawl over to the lesbian gay bisexual section because it made me feel not i don't want to say it made me feel like <laughs> erotic no uh, it was one of those things where like i've i felt like i recognized myself in those yeah. book covers and and those storytellings and the narratives mm -hmm. and so i had to like secretly read these books and figure out like what was wrong with me but then i realized that nothing was right yeah and i just knew that i knew that i was different in a beautiful way and so I just, it, and I was courageous enough, I guess, to be creative and just go and do that. So um, my parents, I mean, uh, as traditional South Asian parents, when they mm -hmm. found out, they were devastated um, because their their narrative for, for me had changed drastically. Yeah. Um, and I just didn't want to lie to them. I was like, I just don't want to, I've spent 19 years of my life, I came out when I was 19, um, T pretending to be this perfect South Asian boy. I did everything. Like I, I took all the pictures at the parties. I did all the music. I helped in the kitchen. Like I, I, I would clean up everything. Like I was, mm -hmm. a, I was a good kid. <laughs> and, um, but the one thing I couldn't do was be what they wanted me to be. I could only be myself. And how did they respond? Um, my relationship with my mom has drastically changed, but um, she still has a lot of love for me. But mm -hmm. I think that I think with our parents, like they they wanted the best for us, and the best is in air quotes when I say that. Um, yes. It's what they what they project our success to be, and mm -hmm. so I just didn't want to sign up for that. And I think, um, and all of the work that I do is that it's really like rooted in um, just allowing other people to see me be myself, so they can be more of the, themselves. You say that as in you weren't able to be yourself and you felt suffocated. Mm. Why? I mean, like I was just, a, I was just so flamboyant and eccentric, and like I was just so effervescent in the room. Like I loved dancing to Bollywood music. I loved learning all Madhuri Dixit's moves and like learning and singing all Alka Yagnik's like lyrics and not the male lyrics. Like I was, oh. I was just so my feminine energy was just there, but it was something that wasn't allowed to be seen. Um, and it was just something that was a bit like a bit of shame was put on it. A lot of shame actually. And so um, I just had to just be like, fuck you everyone. <laughs> and how do you feel you're different now? Um, Alok Verma, he talks a lot around how we shouldn't see, you know, feminine and masculine energy as so opposing. Mm -hmm. What do you think around that? I think that we're coming to this really beautiful return to what it truly is, which is a harmonization of both. Mm -hmm. um, I think I, as, as a Hindu Punjabi, like I find it really interesting that um, 
Hinduism has like 19 non-binary and trans deities um, of gods. That's no way. Yeah, so we're praying to non-gendered creatures. And like, it's only the discourse of our, I guess, colonization that we're trying to gender them. And so like now we're all like finding it really crazy that people are like non-binary or yes. trans. But at the end of the day, like our gods and our belief system was like that. I had no idea about that. Really? No, I had no idea. And I think it's, you know, it, again, when um, Alok Verma talks around, you know, Suzanne Stryker's book, mm -hmm. and it's called Transgender History. Yeah. He basically says, like, you know, people think, like, non-binary is, like, this new millennial fad. Yeah. They're saying that, you know, right now it's really difficult for some people because they're just like, well, you're just you're just going through this phase at the moment. Yeah. But actually, some people don't feel like they conform. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. And I think that it's interesting because, like, we we had to figure things out. We like we as humans like to recognize people and then understand them mm -hmm. and put them in a box. Right. And um and I think for gender we were like male and female. But I mean I I always speak to people really politely and I say, listen, like humans are actually very um in very similar and in parallel to mushrooms. And mushrooms have over a thousand different genders. And so it's like why 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 do we put ourselves in two things? How could there be this m many billions of people on the planet and all of us just be male or female? It doesn't make any sense to me. We do actually share fifty percent of our DNA with mushrooms. And yeah. I know that because I interviewed um, Simon and Andy Salter, who created Dirty. So really? They're going to be so happy that you said that. They're going to be like <laughs> bringing it back tomorrow. See, I'm not just cool looking. I actually read things <laughs> or steal conversations on the tube. <laughs> but it's so interesting. So uh, look, look, I'm, I'm going to just play an idiot's guide. Okay. okay yeah, go so for it. Pretend I'm somebody who has absolutely no idea. I'm like my parents' generation of someone that's saying, okay, look, Ryan. But there are, when you come out of a womb. Yeah. You are born either a female or a male. Anatomically, so, yes. Pardon? Anatomically, yes. Anatomically, right. Yeah. So then why are now people saying that there's like hundreds or 1500s, like or hundreds or like you said, the mushroom situation where there's like thousands of identities. Yeah. How does that make sense? Well, I think we need to look at it as a scientific uh, physical approach where it's like, okay, you were born as a cis male or a cis female. Cis means that you are born the gender that your body is. Got it. But then when you think about your spirit and your soul, like you can be something else. Like you can you can uh, be on this planet, but dream of being something else. And okay. we always we always have this narrative of like, make your dreams a reality. It's like, what if you dream of being a woman? Okay. You should be able to be a woman. Right. And like and that should be accepted. Right. It's the fact that we feel like our our anatomy needs to dictate who who we are and how we express ourselves. Okay. And that's that's just not true. It's really boring. I completely agree with you on that. I think some people genuinely feel that they are not their body mm. and they're a different they want to express themselves in a different way and that's totally fine. Of course. But I think the the the, the term that people get confused by is when people don't identify themselves as either a man or a woman. Mm. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? So the discourse of being non-binary is someone who, um, I guess, sort of lucidly flows between both energies. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not based on their anatomy. Mm -hmm. um, it's based on their spirit and how they feel like they express themselves and how they feel like they identify. Mm -hmm. So within themselves are like, sometimes I feel feminine and I, I, I would identify as a female or sometimes I feel masculine and I would identify as a male. But you know what? Both of those are a bit too much for me. So I'm going to be non-binary. Um, and I, I think it works really really beautifully like i don't yeah. i think if you think about um the discourse of of i guess archetypes of people mm -hmm. like you have people who are a bit more feminine or a bit more butch or a bit more um um i guess macho but then yes. they're, but they're female or they're yeah. or or they're male and they and like i just don't think that we need to put labels on things I and, completely I, agree. and i think if you're at a place in your life where you're like i don't want to be either you should be allowed to be celebrated like that 
I completely agree. I think I have different energy sometimes. Sometimes I feel like I'm one way and sometimes I feel like I'm another way. I mean, my, my pronouns are she and her, mm. but I think the way you've just described it makes me feel that some people who are genuinely feeling stuck, mm. that is so freeing yeah. to be like, you know, I'm okay the way I am. Yeah. I don't have to identify myself or put myself into a box. And I think you see a lot of extreme examples online when people say, well, you can just identify as anything, right? You've seen the Piers Morgan debate where yeah. he gets annoyed about this and says, you know, JK Rowling was canceled because she said she only believes in having two genders. She's like, you can only be a man or a woman. Yeah. Which what completely erases tr the trans community. Why does that? Well, because uh, imagine I always come from things from an emotional perspective yes. because I'm very sensitive. Okay. And so for me, I'm like, imagine if you're born like a woman yes. or if you're born a man and every fiber of your being wants to be the other gender. And like, it's not even like uh, up for discussion. It's just who you are. It's mm -hmm. how you breathe. It's how you, it's how you cry. It's how you love. It's how you laugh. It's like, um, imagine not being able to change genders and being able to access the resources necessary in order to exist as that person mm. why would you let someone suffocate within their own body mm. it's so sad it's so sad yeah and like i think that um very traditional people um more mostly like cis again which are people who are born in the anatomy that they are um uh heterotypical which i don't like to say heteronormative okay. like heterosexual people like to be like i'm fine uh, so everyone else is weird mm. rather than being like i'm fine so that actually makes you quite basic like if you figured it all out you're actually quite average <laughs> yeah it's fine that you it's funny that you say like i'm fine and you're all weird yeah so the word queer some people don't like to use it right because yeah. they're like well queer was generally seen as being outside of the norm mm -hmm. but you talk around you know creating this platform for queer communities yeah. talk to me a little bit about that well, queer um, is a really beautiful word, and I used to be so scared of it when I was younger. Yeah. Um, I I started Hungama, which is my queer Bollywood alternative night, and um, I called it a Bollywood night for gay men, gay Asian men. Mm -hmm. But then slowly I started to see lots of um, queer women show up, and I started to see a lot of non-binary people show up, and I was like, okay, it's not just limited to gay South Asian men. Okay. I think I did that at first because I needed to find a boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just trying to like lure them all in. And you found him? Uh, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's not South Asian. He's Egyptian. He's That's cute. Okay. Um, you no, know, he's great. Um, uh, nice, diverse. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Power couple. Bringing in the diversity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Taking all the boxes. So we moved it to this space where we're like, hey, cool, it's actually just for the queer community. Anyone who identifies as other than I guess what we would call um, stereotypical norm. Yes. Um, and I just, I feel like we create so much more space there to breathe and, and flow. The ebb and flow of that room is so much more magical because mm -hmm. you don't have to be one or the other. You don't have to be straight or gay or trans or non-binary. You can just be who you are and everyone loves you unconditionally, which is something the South Asian community doesn't have. I was just going to ask, so why do you think there was a need for that space? Because I think about um, how lonely I was when I ran away. Like, mm. um, I came to London to make a name for myself because I wanted to be something that was spoken highly in my family um, and uh, spoken about highly in my family. And then I came here and I just felt so much loneliness and I tried to prescribe to um, this queerness that is in East London and London. And it's like a very white centered gay man's perspective okay and so when i'd go into these gay clubs and i'd be like i don't really like kylie minogue i don't care i don't know who madonna is and lady gaga doesn't do it for me like i and you go there and everyone was so obsessed with themselves that i just felt so alone and so when i come home i just put on bollywood music and cry and then i was like you know what why don't i make this space for other people there must be more people out there like me and so that's when hungama was incepted and that's the first kind of venture you went out on yeah so tell me how you did that. Cause I think, you know, you moved from Canada, you probably didn't have that much money cause you moved here like ran away by yourself. Yeah. 
came here, was so lonely in this like city. I think it is quite lonely as well here. And especially if you're already feeling like, I don't have anyone that's the same as me, or I can't relate to anyone, or no one resonates with how I'm feeling right now. Yeah, of course. How on earth did you create this incredible, incredible event? Well, I'm like deliriously optimistic. So right. I, when I was younger, it was even worse. And um, <laughs> so I basically like worked as a server in Vancouver and okay. saved up all my tips, and I just tra transferred it into pounds, and I had like ten thousand pounds worth of cash, and I just came here with a backpack, and I just like I remember being in a KFC in Whitechapel, being like. I really hope I get this flat because I need to sleep somewhere tonight. <laughs> and Stop it. Yeah, I literally had no plans. And I just walked to Brick Lane and found a pizza place. And I was like, can you hire me? And they're like, you speak English, we'll hire you. And um, that was my first day in London. Oh my God. Yeah, that. I literally knew no one. And then I just worked from job to job on Brick Lane. And then I remember once I got fired for not fitting the, the brand. And so I just sold all my stuff on Brick Lane Market and just went to Paris for a bit and then came back. I literally just had zero plans. This is amazing. Yeah, I know. I'm like rags to riches. No, I'm not really rich. <laughs> <laughs> just look rich. This <laughs> is so funny. I feel like you're like proper story of like, I came here with a backpack. Yeah. With like no clothes. Legit. But now that I see these Gen Zs who don't want to do anything, I'm like, I literally had to do everything. I had no choice but to survive. Talk a bit to me about that. Gen Zs who don't want to do anything. Well, now I think that we're all just like keyboard warriors and we're all obsessed with like making sure that everyone's politically correct, that no one actually like... We put more blood, sweat, and tears into tearing people down than we do to building our own careers. Mm -hmm. And it really, it really upsets me at times because I think that there are a lot of really talented kids out there, but they don't know how to put in the labor. And, um, and so I've seen so many kids recently that I've given an opportunity to, but they'd much rather um, kind of weaponize their mental health or like talk about how they feel like they need uh, X, Y, and Z in order to do their job properly, but they won't even do their job because there's always an excuse to be had. That's not every Gen Z, but I just okay. feel like people are all feeling like the internet is where we should prioritize our, our work. And yes. I think in real life, grafting is something that is just uh, like it's just invaluable and like the reason i can sit here at my age and work in fashion and be a dj and have like exhibited in the tate as well as dj'd in the tate I've, i have a bbc3 tv show it's because i do not stop working for people and with people mm -hmm. and i will wake up and be like what what dream do you have how do i make that come true with you Wow, it's interesting you say that, that everyone's just so focused on, t on the internet now because people see it as the quickest way to make a bit of money of course. and the quickest way to get power and fame. Yeah. And I posted a video the other day saying, stop posting for clout. Yeah. Like so many people- Oh, that was so incredible. <laughs> I literally was like, damn straight. Right, and yeah. I think so many people are just trying to, like you say, be like, I don't really want to work that hard. I don't need this job anyway. I can just make 10,000 pounds a post because I see this person doing it. Yeah. And this person's invited to this event and this person gets this influencer campaign. So yeah. it's very easy. And people see things online as being very easy. Yeah. In fact, they're incredibly difficult. Yeah. And I talked about this as well in terms of followers, you know. It's taken me a long time to get to where I am now. Yeah. And I think Congratulations. that. <laughs> but I feel like, you know, pe my follower count increased in literally three weeks. Yeah. And people are like, oh, but, you know, if you can do that, if your video went viral, then my, my followers will go from, yeah. you know, X amount to X amount in three weeks. It's very easy. I just need yeah. to make a viral video. But you get enslaved to it, though. Like, if you think about TikTok and it's real ridiculous. culture, it's like, do we really want to be remembered for someone else's audio that we spent right. two days in our house changing outfits? It's like. It's not even that. It's what is the value you're bringing? Yeah. And I I always say to people, stop posting to go viral and mm. stop fixating on trying to go viral because you will always be unhappy because it will yeah. never happen for you. You're projecting a different version of yourself. Like you hated, our, we hated our parents for telling us who to be. And then right. we're sitting here projecting something that we're not. Exactly. Trying to work out yeah. the algorithm, trying yeah. to post the best time. It's ridiculous. Some people are famous and some people are not. I'm so sorry that I am. <laughs> <laughs> Just be who you are and be fucking iconic. Right. That's it. 
dress how you want, laugh as much as you can, like literally just like go out and seize the world because like look, we had a pandemic for a whole year mm-hmm. and we all like had these like awakenings and at the end of the day it's like this is how much colonization and capitalism allows us to feel like shit. And like what we all had to do was sit there being like, okay, actually no one needs anything from us. What do I need from me? And this is why we had so many people have personality changes coming out of the closet or like breaking up with their partners or changing their jobs or finding their hobby and turning it into their, their pride and joy. It's like power to that feeling. And that's what we should be projecting document that. And like, and let's just be more authentic rather than, trying to perpetuate something that's not real mm-hmm. social media at the moment isn't real and i think a lot of people watching this will be thinking well ryan you're so confident were you always this way uh i yeah i think i was <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't want to be that person yeah because the mo- uh, when i meet people i'm very rare because i moved here what 12 years ago mm-hmm. and then like uh london's quite transient so you meet a lot of people and then like one day they're like oh my visa's expired or i'm changing my job or i'm i'm flying here and you just lose them and you have you don't have a core and i'm so blessed now that i have a core of incredibly talented creative people around me who i love de- deeply but um back then I, it was just it was abandonment after abandonment after abandonment because I was the only one who was staying. And then oh. after a while, when you start reintroducing yourself, sometimes it comes from ego or a desire to like cling to the vestiges of fashion. But like I was feeling like no one really knew who Ryan was. And like I, I don't have many people in London who knew me at 23 or who knew me at 19 or who knew me at like 10. And so like when I meet people, I'm like, can you tell me how I was? Because I don't remember who I am anymore and I need that reminder. And it's so refreshing. Wow. Yeah. Do you feel like you've blocked it out or you feel like you have like parts of your life you don't remember? As a queer person, I feel like I always had to see the silver lining in things. And then I also felt like I grew up in a quite a traumatic upbringing with my parents. Like they're just wonderful people who were victims of circumstance, but like they... I was brought up with a certain perspective and like, I think, I mean, everyone needs therapy. So after taking therapy, I realized that like, I was sort of brought up a certain way to think a certain way. And so I had to like um, unlearn all of that and then sit, like basically take down all the the puzzle pieces and then re put together the puzzle. And it's so much more fun this way. It really is. Yeah, it's really nice when you get to like reassemble the way that your brain thinks. I love that. I think like that self-reflection and understanding why you think the way you do is so important and it's something a lot of people miss. Yeah. And you talk about how everyone needs therapy. I agree, everyone does just, even if nothing is going wrong in your life, it's just nice to reflect and think like, why do I think the way I do? Why do I have these preconceptions and ideas in my mind? And you know, one of the things that I always talk about is why we all need therapy. Mm -hmm. And did you find it hard to kind of take that step? I feel like how how I see it was that we just, Instagram became a very visual, infographic led space okay and all of a sudden these words like toxic or codependency and um i don't know uh being woke and all these things just started like flying into our feeds and we're like people started to weaponize them and use them yeah but at the end of the day i was like what do they actually mean and how do they apply to me okay and like when i started to read about uh toxic relationships i was like oh god that was me i was that person and i realized that all my relationships failed because of the fact that i didn't like myself and like I was dating white guys who basically were like fetishizing me and then like loved the fact that I was Canadian and South Asian and I'd go to their like houses and love their families because they were so lovely but they would just exoticize me and I didn't realize it and that suffocation made me an angry person and I just retaliated against my partner and I was like I just needed to love myself and be proud of who I was and Hangamas brought me my culture back to me I say that I'm a practicing like lateral Hindu which is really cool and like a cool one (laughs) not a regular Hindu Um, but like it's a situation where like I've met an incredible human who also has the same belief system and like and I had the same trauma and like you need to meet people who have had 
sort of the same life experiences as you in a different way and and are you're able to share that space and that's when you can have a healthy relationship but i only learned about that through therapy and why did you go to therapy because i think for a lot of people taking that first initial step is very hard Drugs. especially in the south asian community <laughs> genuinely yeah i'm okay. a rock star i party in <laughs> london way too much and then like the pandemic happened and i was out all the time at secret raves and i was like you know what i need to get control of this and okay I was like, when 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 you are lucky enough to survive being queer and South Asian and then thrive, no one teaches you how to have success. No one teaches you how to hold it and how to nurture it. And so what I did was I just didn't believe that I would manage to win a Netflix show and create a, like an internationally recognized club night and be a fashion curator in London and like slowly see this like doorway of success coming towards me. I didn't know what to do with it. So I just destroyed it. I was like, I'm just going to party every night and just take every drug under the sun. And I and I just started to get to a point where I lost all my friends and everyone was like, Ryan's getting a bit weird. Like, like it's a typical like celebrity thing. Most celebrities have a moment where they wobble. And it happened to me during the pandemic. And I was like, I need a therapist so I can work through this. Wow. Yeah. You say just now, you know, to, to survive. And what did you say? To thrive mm. as a South Asian queer. Mm. Why do you say that? I don't think that we have enough visibility of South Asians being creative or queer and successful and happy. And so I think that that's why this radical existence of me right now is super important because there are so many kids, not just in East London, but um, in other parts of like Brampton and Manchester and like um, Hounslow who are in these small houses, like on the internet, hoping that one day they can be there, but no one's giving them a rule book or a, a mind map of how to get there. Right. So like I, my door is wide open to all those people. Be like, reach out, get involved, and you don't have to live this life that is not meant for you. You can live a life that you deserve to have. And when you say that life that is not meant for you, why is that so different from like a cis heterosexual person? I think because our parents, and I don't mean to speak for everyone's parents, yes. but probably have really lovely parents. <laughs> but I'm just saying like traditionally, or I guess like more often than not, South Asian parents want the best for us. They want us to be successful, secure, um, and perpetuate a bloodline. Yes. But I think as you learn more about um, anthropology and I guess like uh, the social, hum the sociology of the human race, you're just like, actually, we don't need to be doing these things. We don't need to get married. No. We don't need to have children. No. Like we just, we should find happiness and like create a better energy on this planet mm. and um and like a lot of these white people like have this like i went to goa and like like met god and like now i'm a yogi moment but like we don't get to do that as south asians we don't get to meet our own culture and come back and be like wow because it's shoved down our throats from day dot right. and so like i had to leave to come back to it and now i see it in such a beautiful prismatic way but um other people were like just sitting there being like i it's what i do but why do i do it where do i tap into the third eye mm. where do i plug in my third eye that vibe it's interesting you say that, you know, so many of us are told all these like beliefs and, mm. and rituals. And I actually spoke about one of these things yesterday and we don't question it, yeah. right? Because we're just, like you said, it's shoved down our own throat. Yeah. And I think it actually deters people away because they're not allowed to question it. Yeah. So, you know, as like a woman, I f a South Asian woman, I feel like if I question something, I'm always told off for it. It's yeah. like, why are you asking me this question? You should just believe. Yeah. And I think that's really tricky for me. But as somebody who's kind of in LGBTQ community, yeah. for them to question their parents when they're already feeling suffocated as well they probably feel they don't even have a voice yeah of course and i mean like only the person listening to this will know how many times they put their head under the bathtub water and i did that way mm. too many times in my life and um i feel like in our not to like hate on our culture because it happens in many cultures but like 
as soon as you become, everyone wants you to be educated, but no one wants you to have an education. And so once you start learning and you're like, oh my God, like I've realized this and I learned that and I actually did some more research here. Everyone's like, shh, don't tell. No, that's not true. That doesn't happen. You just listen to me. And it's like, <laughs> it's perpetuating this like cult-like leadership. <laughs> and how is your relationship with your family now? Um, I mean, everyone loves me because I'm famous now. <laughs> No, I'm joking. Um, I was always like the light and the joy and like I, I, I made everyone have more fun. Like, okay. like life is always a little bit better with Lange and like I and they miss me dearly. But um, I just don't subscribe to the way that they see the world. And that's OK. Yes. And um, and the way that they see the world is completely fine. Um, mm -hmm. I've spent time recently with my mom's side and my dad's side and I have so much love to share with them. But the difference is that mine's not conditional. Like no one has to play by my rules in order for me to give them love okay. or, or for me to give them space. Like right. the, I literally want nothing for them other than their own happiness. And so at the moment you have a lot of love for your family, even though they don't understand. Yeah, I mean, of course, like I, I, I miss them dearly. And like, mm -hmm. I, I, when I get really drunk, I cry about it sometimes and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But um, it's like, I just never got to, I never got to say goodbye to little Ryan. I came here with like big dreams and now I'm in it. And I'm like, it took me so long to be able to sit in this that I just like, like to take moments to look back and be like, oh, it was really hard for him. Mm. And what was one of your hardest moments? I think one of my hardest moments is just like, I don't know when I, I guess being really vulnerable is like when I'm on my knees and I just can't tell anyone like my it's not about mental health or depression it's about like when I just don't know if I can dig any deeper to chase my dreams and like but the only thing I know I can do that will leave a lasting impact on this planet is making my dreams a reality for everyone when you mean you can't dig deeper what do you mean it's just it's exhausting it's like I I never I didn't anticipate podcasts and instagram and reels mm. and and um i mean i always wanted to be in a magazine and i w maybe wanted to be in a movie when i was younger but now there's so much to contend with and it's like it's it's just like this whole neo celebrity existence that a lot of people desire to be in but at the end of the day it doesn't fulfill you like it doesn't it doesn't bring anything other than a full schedule and a lack of sleep and does that, how do you manage that full schedule, like mentally? Because it's exhausting, like you say, to keep up with Instagram, TikTok, all yeah. these shows you're doing. You know, when you're on set all day long, it's very hard. And then to be creative and have that space yeah. to think, I find, I find that tricky at the moment as well. I don't know if this will resonate, but how I feel about it is that like, regardless of how many thousands of followers you desire to have or once you do get them, mm -hmm. no one's gonna call you. No one cares. No one cares. Yeah. I had COVID twice and no one knew. I was laid in my bed during the pandemic and no one knew. And it was because I didn't have the energy to call or like reach out to anyone. Right. And I was like, it's so funny because I haven't posted in what, how many days and everyone thinks I'm okay. And there've been so many moments where I've realized that everyone thinks I'm okay. And it's, it's okay to not be okay, but also like, when you get to these places that we all aspire to be in, your social circle and people who really care about you shrink exponentially. And why do you think that is? Because um, everyone has ego. People get jealous. It's like, um, it's important to find people who just really want you to be happy and are just happy for you. And the people that I, like the five or six people I consider chosen family and like my close circle of friends, they literally don't give a shit what I do. They just want me to be happy. Jealousy is a tricky one, isn't it? Because yeah. you can't pinpoint it. Yeah. You can't say to a person, you're jealous of me. Yeah. You can never say that, but yeah. you it's a feeling that you kind of get, I think, mm -hmm. when you're around someone and you tell them a piece of good news and they're like, oh, 
Well, I'm very proud to say that like one of my closest friends is Shira Ravindran, um, who recently was on the cover of British Vogue. And I met her at um, Birmingham Pride. Mm -hmm. And um, she was so tre trepidatious when she met me. She was just like, you're like this North Indian who like has a social media thing. And like, I don't know if I if you're a verified human. <laughs> and I was like, I'm blue tick. I'm cool. And then it wasn't until we got really drunk together um, that we just like sat in this Airbnb and just like just put everything on the table from both of our perspectives. And like, we we literally just like told each other what we dreamt of doing in our lives and all the pain that has come from being um, a queer uh, Hindu and uh, Shira being a queer uh, Tamil. And like, I was like, there's just so much synchronicity and parallels here and I can support you and you can support me. And literally within like, what, less than a year, we've accomplished so much. It was only last September that we met and we just were like, let's just like, just mind map what we want to do and how much pain has propelled us here and like how do we support each other and just be fucking punk and do it and um and now i'm so blessed to say that like she's we're like a fucking cool team that is, we're unstoppable because we've got each other's backs and i think that's what we need more of we need more loving and kind people who are just like cutting edge and there to help each other um there's a huge rat race right now that i'm not proud of um like lots of south asian people or even people of color who just want to get to the table and then want to like be at the table and have everyone be like i'm the guest of honor at the table so boring like if, if you're going to be iconic be iconic like you can't nominate yourself or like get enough followers and people will like deem you as iconic you just are you aren't you're making me laugh so much. <laughs> I feel like I've never met anyone like you. I'm just like, wow, gosh, <laughs> I'm gonna walk out of here feeling exactly the same as you. Like your energy is amazing, but you do have a big presence, I would say. Oh, like you're you. very much like Devil Wears Prada energy to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, when growing she walks up in, in and she just throws the coat, that's, that's you. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, hello. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh God, okay, wow, okay. We used to call Leslie and minimize the press. <laughs> <laughs> but how do we encourage more people to be like that? So, you know, we're talking about, and, and I have a bit of a different view on this, if I'm honest. Mm -hmm. I think you attract what you put out. Yeah. So if you say, oh my God, everyone's so jealous of me. Oh my God. And I've seen so many people complain about this and it's really irritating me actually. Yeah. People saying like, you know, women don't support each other and non-South Asian community supporting me. Well, if you keep saying that yeah. and you keep putting that energy out there, yeah. then no wonder it's not going to come back to you. True. And I, I think like, we, how do we start to do that? You know, how do we start to be more supportive to other people? How do we start to create an environment in which we're just happy for one another? Because at the end of the day, you are never gonna be the best in anything. I say this all the time. Yeah. I am never gonna be the best in all fields, in all parts of my life, all at the same time. Yeah. I may not even be the best in my field ever. Yeah. But you know, it's important to understand that just because someone else has got that magazine cover doesn't mean you can't get it. No, just course. because someone else has been on that podcast doesn't mean you're not gonna get the opportunity. Well, also it's okay to not be that person. Like, right, I, if you don't want to be. You should just like replace your critical voice with empathy. And so like, if you're sitting there going, ah, oh, women don't do anything. It's like, why don't you just go up to women and say, what can I do for you? It's like, if someone's gonna approach me with a problem, I want a solution. And so I, the reason why I'm successful, and I'm not, I, like there are people who don't like me and that's totally fine. Like mm -hmm. you can occupy yourself with whatever energy you want. But like, if you don't pay my bills, I don't give a shit. It. but like how I feel is like if someone comes to me with a problem I'll be like how do we fix it and I'll help you fix it with me and that allows me to be like like impervious like mm -hmm. I I will always be here because I will always change and I will always grow and I will always learn and like I will make mistakes I mean five years ago I was terrified of the, even the word trans and now I am so blessed to say I know over 20 trans people in my my ma my main like social circle and mm -hmm. these are people I will fight till the end of the world for because their rights are so important yes. and like and I will 
like take on the emotional labor of communicating that to the South Asian community and teaching the South Asian community about how we're anti-black and how we mm -hmm. need to fight for black lives and trans people. Mm -hmm. And like those are things that just are point blank the beginning and ending of every conversation I have. And um and I mean I went to um visit family recently and they were like some of the stuff they were saying was super problematic. But I sat there like very patiently and was like, I'm gonna work you through this. It's gonna be weird, but at least like we'll plant this little seed and then hopefully one day when your kids go to school or maybe our cousins turn out to be trans, like it's okay for us yes. and and we fought now for the for our kids rights i love that it's all about having to change people's minds not completely but to like help them understand yeah. a little bit better yeah and i've always been like from a young age i've always kind of had that conversation with my family is you know i think in in hindu com communities we're very you know anti-muslim mm -hmm. you know people are very against islam it's just ingrained in us yeah and you know recently there was like a mosque being built in a particular area of london and everyone was getting so angry about it. Yeah. And I was like, why are you so angry? It's oh a God, place of worship. It. Why people did that to us? And I was I was getting so, so frustrated with this argument because it was like, well, you know, I'm not even gonna say the things that they said because I just think it's so disgusting. Yeah, don't get it, yeah. And I just feel like it's so hard to change people's minds mm. But it's important to still have those conversations yeah. because it will make them think the more they hear it, yeah. the more they will slowly start to understand. And like you said, I'm not perfect. There's loads of things I don't know about the trans community. Yeah. And, you know, I really need to start learning. And I'm OK with that. Like, I'm OK with the fact that I'm always going to be growing. I'm always going to be learning from yeah. new people. There's loads of things I don't understand. And I can't be perfect in every arena. But it's all about how can you continuously grow? I think how can you continu continuously grow? I think two pieces of advice is don't get defensive and don't be fragile about it mm -hmm. because you don't know does not make you less of a person mm -hmm. it just makes you someone who's yet to find out right and if you don't get it and it's difficult for your mind to unlearn something that you've thought your whole life it'll take time yes. don't get don't get angry or offensive to anyone because of the fact that you're it's difficult for you to understand um so and be honest you know i had a conversation with janaid mm. and we were talking about how um difficult it is for some people when men wear makeup mm. or when men wear traditionally clothes that are found in the female department yeah and i said to him the first time i saw it i found it difficult yeah not because i was like oh my god it's it's so crazy it's because i'd never seen it before yeah, of course. so i said to him and he was like oh and i was like i'm being honest like i could sit here and tell you i hear that you. i've always been like oh it's completely fine yeah. and now i'm like it's completely fine well, i understand it i just want to say that like for people who feel uncomfortable about that it's because of the the fact that you're not putting your head above the parapet like if you look at the history of culture yes. there are so many iconic people who have done it exactly. if you haven't seen a man in women's clothing or a woman in male, male clothing it's because you're not looking at actual, what real culture is it's true because anything cool has come from queer culture and anything in, like absolutely groundbreaking has come from the trans community and if it's not trans it's a black trans community and yeah. so it's like everyone needs to like really just like take a pen and like literally just do a through line all the way to where something originally came from and it's queer people and the thing is is that when you when you go and this is what i explained to janaid is like at home i didn't see it at mm. school i didn't yeah. see it on tv i didn't see yeah. it but for my kids they're going to see it like from day dot and yeah. we're going to be talking about it and it's not going to be something that you shy away from yeah. in the south asian community there are still so many people that i know that don't come out and say how they truly like be who they truly are because yeah. they're scared yeah and so it's it's important to not also i think 
be so like, oh my God, I can't believe you didn't get that. Or, oh my God, I can't believe you don't, you can't understand it. Yeah. It's important to be like, okay, it's cool that at the moment you're un trying to learn it, mm -hmm. but like, it's also not my responsibility to explain it to you. And I totally get that from yeah. a lot of people. And I think that we do get disenfranchised with people who like um, have a limit to like how ignorant they can be, or actually mm -hmm. no, they're limitless to the ignorance. But like, I feel like we don't need to, oh, we can pick and choose when we decide to like read someone like their fortune backwards about what they really should know. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that there are times where we do have to do the work. Yes, like I think I it's agree. important to to go back to your family and be like, hey, this is who I am. And if you have any questions, I'm here. But also I'm gonna tell you when your questions are inappropriate. And I'm gonna tell you that you have Google. Yeah, exactly, and true. And you, you can Google everything. Yeah, so it's all that information is so readily accessible. If you're gonna like sit and Google Kim Kardashian or like whatever it is that you Google, like you can spend time getting something that's gonna be more like, I guess, healthy for you. So you founded NDY yes. Global. Yeah. Tell me about it. Well, it was a perfect segue. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Basically, uh, during the pandemic, I was like, I need to move my body. A lot of people had to like do some sort of exercise. Yes. They were going for walks in the park and stuff. And I just had a moment where I was like, wow, so many queer kids have run away from home or in flat chairs, um, do not have access to gyms. This is like when gyms were like kind of open. So like only like small groups of people could go to classes. Oh, I see. And I was like, they were still paying for gym memberships. And I was like, these kids are not making any money. We need to like do something. So I got... Uh, queer people of color who were trainers to host Zoom sessions every day for free. And I just put it on Instagram being like, if anyone wants a gong bath, like it's on Monday, Tuesday's like a central movement class, three, uh, Wednesday was like uh, weightlifting at home with any object in British Sign Language for people who couldn't like um, hear. Yeah, and, um, and then I did, uh, we did like a, a hit class and all this stuff every day there was one class and you didn't have to turn your camera on you could just do it and then sign out i was there doing it every day um and afterwards i was like wow i think we had like over four and a half thousand people around the world come to these classes wow. and then i had this moment where i realized that queer people don't nourish other queer people like we run away from home and we like um we congregate underneath like the the speakers of the dance floors and we we have pain there but and we're in such close proximity to alcohol and drugs like i've never seen a cool space that is like come here and nourish your body um to the sounds of club culture um and with people from club culture and um it's not about being sober it's just about having fun and um so i've gone to gyms with my i guess clout um and said if you don't host non-binary trans queer people of color gym sessions for free I'm going to cancel your gym because <laughs> I, I know where the cancel button is. <laughs> but why is it important to have a separate space? Because um, white people um, and cis straight people are very problematic. Okay. I, th I think microaggressions are things that we don't realize that we do. Like even like the flick of an eyebrow or like a double take can really upset someone. Yep. If you are someone who is non-binary, so you don't feel like when you go to the changing room that you're a man or a woman, yep. where do you go? Yes. If you are a trans person, so you are um, in need of top surgery or you are, are on your journey of being in the body that you are destined to have, mm. um, where do you go in the gym? Yeah. And how do people treat you when you're training? I mean, now we're all like uh, body hair neutrality and like and, and promoting like people being who like who they naturally are. Yeah. But what happens when everyone's staring at you because you have a beard and that's what you want? Mm. Like the gym is not a safe space. You're so right. The gym like echoes dysphoria in such an awful way. And even trainers will be like, come on guys, gendered everyone. Or like, let's do Superman, 
gendered everyone like you even when you're on the mat and they're like oh cool like do an extra sit up and then you can get that beer later what if you have an alcoholic in the room like we don't know like why people are there and so i'm like using the queer community to go into these spaces and nourish their bodies but also teach the gyms how to start evolving to be a more inclusive space i just feel like I feel so less unstuck by speaking to you and I don't even think I'm, I've gone through a traumatic life. Oh. And like thinking about how, like the things you've just said, I never thought about before. Really? And I think I'm, I'm an overthinker and I'm That's an over isn't it? It massively is. But this is also like what I didn't think about either. Like I, I, I'm a cis queer South Asian man. Like, and I have a moment going, wait a second, what about that person? Yes. And where is this person? Yeah. Maybe it started once where I was like at home and I was like, does Lady Gaga have any friends? Like I have these really weird thoughts in my head that just pop in and like one of them was like, who's nourishing the queer kids? Oh and God, so I just went amazing. and did it. Um, I now, I'm, now you're gonna make me overthink everything. I overthink everything like a million times. The other yeah. day I got a coffee and I was in a rush and the guy outside said, can I have 40p for a coffee? And I said, I'm so sorry, I don't actually have any cash. And I didn't have time to go in the queue and give him one. Yeah. For five days I've been thinking about it. It's been like three weeks. I still think about why didn't I give that man my coffee? Yeah. And now you've made me think about like the instructor saying that. I'm gonna be like, you shouldn't be saying that. You shouldn't be saying that. Cause it's true. Like yeah. I'm a massive empath. And I think like things like that, you just don't know how it's gonna impact someone. Yeah. And someone who is going through, like I don't even think about the beer thing. That must be so hard. Yeah, or like if you're lying there and someone's like, oh, like even we, we did this, I did a, a panel talk with Tom Daly recently mm -hmm. and we had a non-binary um, uh, half black, half South Asian model in the room. Their name is Eyebrow Beach and they're amazing. Um, and they were just like really honest about their um, eating disorder. And they were like, why is it that all the machines have calorie counters? And I was like, what? And she was like, yes. she's like, I don't want to know how many calories I've lost because it's going to make me associate that with food. And I was like, why do we have them on machines? Yeah. We don't need that. And why do we have them on menus now? Yeah, we it's don't need so it. so unnecessary. And so why are we counting calories when we eat? And why are we counting calories when we're running? It's like that is something that has been programmed into us to buy more food that yes. is made more poorly and yes. also go to the gym and stay on the machine for a certain period of time. And then everyone's like, stop stop thinking that you need to burn everything yeah. off that you, that you eat. And it's yeah, like, exactly. well, how do you stop that cycle? Yeah. Because it's presented to you both constantly. And then your trainer's like, come on, do this boat pose and hold it for another 30 seconds and you can have that bowl of nachos. You're like, do you don't need to say that? Because you don't know who is desperately yeah. trying not to have those nachos right now. Yeah or is desperately wanting the nachos and their body mm -hmm. is just not allowing them to eat it. We need to educate people a lot more and I think every single area of life because there's so many things that, you know, you, you can be more sympathetic, you can be more compassionate mm -hmm. and you can try and understand what other people are going through. And yeah. I think almost there's a blanket statement thrown on everyone to be like, we don't need that, you well, know? People don't want to do the work because no. their life is convenient. So there are a lot of South Asians uh, who are in the public eye, and I'd happily name drop, but I don't want to shame anyone. Yeah, um, but they basically feel like because that they have money coming in, they have business, they're aligned with the right brands, and they have a social media following, and they like, and they can optically be around the people they want to be around, that they're a good person. And like, no one's courageous enough to be like, actually, you're a piece of shit. Like, no one likes you. <laughs> this podcast has been like so like I don't even know how to describe it. I feel like it's so deep and then you make me laugh and I'm like in this like limbo of like I love you, but yeah. also like this is so sad, but then also like, <laughs> oh my god, I need to enlighten myself. I don't know how I've been feeling. That's I'm, so funny. I'm confused. Yeah. But I really have enjoyed having you on. Yeah, I'm really sad that we didn't have longer. We need to do like another podcast, I think, because there's yeah. just so much I think I can learn from you. Of course. But we finished this podcast with a truth or dare. Okay. Dare. Wait, wait, truth. Truth. Okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I pick dare? Of course. I was like, say truth. Don't pick dare. I don't have a I dare. Don't have a dare. <laughs> okay, truth is, um, what's the one thing you wish we could change 
in this space. This room specifically. <laughs> Maybe like a future wall. <laughs> What's something we could change in the cis heterosexual space? Um, stop lying to yourselves. I think um, we pretend that we don't do things and we 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 don't actually exist as who we are and that doesn't allow other people to exist as well and so we're just all perpetuating projections of each other and then wondering why no one likes each other or why we don't like ourselves so just be who you are and be kind that's what i change how do we start to be who we are just give zero fucks <laughs> be like you yeah but okay. also like pass me the sunglasses <laughs> i'm I am who I am. Yeah, a little more Lanji. <laughs> now everyone can see your face. You've revealed yourself. You're this mysterious character this whole podcast. Now you've revealed yourself. Everyone's going to be like, oh my God. I know. Imagine. <laughs> Imagine I'm with someone else. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've chatted about so many different things, yeah. but if you take anything away, it's just like, don't stop learning and don't stop being kind. I love that. Thank mm. you so much. And also be fabulous. And you can always dress better. <laughs> hey, I felt personally no, you attacked. Look you look Gosh. fantastic. Okay, we'll just end it there. I mean, I'm glad I wore leather. Like you're like giving a really cute like animal print moment. <laughs> thank you so much, Fire. <laughs> hey everyone, and thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Wherever you're listening or watching, if you could press the like, follow, and subscribe button, it would mean the world to me.